Okay, we're going to talk about the magician now, number one, but the second card in the series of Major Arcana, uh, sometimes called the magician, sometimes called the magus. And why don't we start right there with uh, the differences in his name? Magus of Power. The Magus of Power. That's his hermetic title, right? The Magus of Power. Power. You need a sound effect. I know like, we do, e- like a echo. Yeah. <laughs> the, the magus of power. <laughs> we might as well get right into it and say that this is going to be all about Hermes and Mercury, um, and the fact that he's um, a magician and a magus is is complicated because originally. You know, the earliest, like in the Marseille tarot, you look at it and he's basically, a, you know, a street con, right? You know, he's got like, he's like the Where guy. Where is the ball? <laughs> Which cup is the ball under? Exactly. Point you know. to the cup. So Mercury's a hustler too. So. He's a hustler too. And his, he's, he's got power with a big P and power with a small P. You know what I mean? I mean, he's like, so, I mean, that's that's reflected in some of his original names. For example, he was uh, called the Juggler um, or Le Jongleur, uh, Le Battler, uh, the Mountebank. Oh, I, I, heard, I, I saw these two. I forget where it was. I can't remember which reference I saw this in, probably a Marseille one, but the Thimble Rigger, the Quarter Penny, you know? I mean, I think those are uh, trickster type terms. I like the words, you know, the magician and the magus, because it, you know, obviously makes you think of magic. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I like, always loved Crowley's definition of magic, you know, the science of causing change in conformity with will. Mm, yes, yes. And that's kind of what you see in both these cards, you know. You see him holding, well, in one card, he's holding the wand. He's got mm-hmm. the, that double wand of power. And mm-hmm. in the other the card, he is the wand. He is the wand. Right, right. And of course, you know, there's there's a longstanding tradition of thinking of Hermes or Mercury or Thoth, whichever you like, as the god of magic, because magic is... Uh, associated with writing and writing of course is a gift of mercury's to us his best one in my opinion and this is really interesting to me because you know as tarot readers we are engaged whether we like it or not in a form of magic it is um i mean divination enters the same space as magic does though for different reasons and with different effects so although there are many divinities associated with prophecy and magic. That's why Thrice Great Hermes is so central to all of those traditions. And uh, speaking of Thrice Great Hermes, there's the Emerald Tablet uh, yeah. connection. Um, the quote that every time I see this card, how can you not think of the as above, so below, and as below, so above? I think mm-hmm. the, the whole quote, in truth, certainly, and without doubt, Whatever is below is like that which is above, and whatever is above is like that which is below to accomplish the miracles of one thing. There it is. There it is. And here in the Rider-Waite-Smith card, you can see the gesture, the the as above, so below gesture. Yeah, and again, he's, he's pointing at the path, 
but it's it's reversed because mm-hmm. it's from the perspective of you are the magician that mm-hmm. view you know if you're looking at it head on you're like well that's the wrong he's pointing in the wrong direction but it's, <laughs> it's the right direction if you're him yeah which we'll, we should talk about when we get to the Kabbalah material definitely so um as above so below the uh motto that we see in magic and in astrology and in divination i mean it's partly that as above as the stars move so below so so do our events roll out below. But also, I sort of think of it as as within, so without. So like when you go within yourself in magic to create change, then you have external effects that proceed from that. Yeah, I think of this card as directing manifestation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Through the will. Right, right. And, you know, there's something about his posture that's like a lightning rod, you know, it's like, I'm just a channel. Definitely. You know, then the current goes through me. And creates effects on the other end. Um, so let's see. We've we've talked about the fact that this is Hermes, Mercury, and let's let's break down some of the imagery, particularly, I guess, in the Thoth deck, where he is explicitly the messenger god. Well, it's really interesting. One of the most interesting things about actually all of the elemental um, Thoth cards is that. You see here, he's he's Mercury, he's elemental Mercury, but his posture, his body is actually forming the glyph of Mercury. Yes. If you see that, uh, the, the, the snakes on his head being the, the curved horns coming out of the circular part, and then there's the cross of his arms, mm-hmm. and even his feet, the winged feet, mm-hmm. some some symbols of Mercury, you see a little arrow pointing at the bottom of the, not all, but uh, alchemical Mm. mercury. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you see that arrow, so you can kind of see it in the shape. I mean, if you have a little imagination. Yes. Yes, well, and also, um, yeah, you can totally see that. And also, if you, uh, again, sort of previewing the Kabbalah material, you can trace the glyph of mercury onto the tree of life. Yes. Right. Of all Sephira, except for Kether, which, except floats, for Kether, yeah. which floats above it mm-hmm. in that glyph. As it is wont to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Caduceus, yeah. Yeah, um, Caduceus. I mm-hmm. mean, in this case, he is the Caduceus. He's mm-hmm. the wand and the mm-hmm. Caduceus. He is that uh, that channeling of the two forces, the positive and negative, um, meeting up at the crown there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if now is a good time to mention the difference between the Caduceus and the staff of Esculapius, which are always getting confused. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just mention it and leave it there. Basically, the staff of Esculapius is a single one snake, single one sink with one snake going often round and round. Often seen on the hermit. Often seen on the hermit and. Uh, and and in medical. With, with healing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas this is the caduceus of Mercury with the double snakes. Um, very important, two snakes. Two snakes are better than one. <laughs> okay, so um, you want to say something about uh, the association of serpents uh, with Mercury? I have to think about it. Well, I mean, I sort of think, I, I sort of think of it as being related to the serpents of the sun, you know, because Mercury is so yeah, close to the, the sun. Solar, there's the solar influence there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just I was looking at those serpents, and you can see in the um, Crowley's card there, 
there's a figure eight. Um, mm-hmm. The snakes form a vertical figure eight. They whereas do. over in the Rider Waite card, there's the lemniscate on the side there. Right. And um, the, don't forget the Ouroboros belt, with the snake eight, biting its right. own tail on the Rider Waite. Mm-hmm. And I always, when I see that infinity sign, I, mm-hmm. I always think of the solar analemma where, mm-hmm. you know, if you took a photograph of the horizon at the same time every day, over a year's time, the picture would form into that figure eight shape. And that's how it was first associated with the concept of infinity because it happens over and over and over again. Mm-hmm, forever. And that's mm-hmm. probably one reason, you know, Mercury's, the fact that Mercury is kind of like the, the little buddy of the sun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mini me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you always see solar references in, in these Mercury cards. Plus, Mercury is never more than one sign away from right, the sun. 28 degrees mm-hmm. in astrology, you'll never find Mercury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More than 28 degrees from the sun. Do you have Mercury in Sag? I do. Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. Eight of Wands, <laughs> Lord of Speed. And I've got Mercury in Virgo, um, exalted in the sign, and an anoretic degree. So, as you said, I've lens- got, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I've got mine in the first degree, or, or, well, it's kind of technically the second. It's number one. Mm-hmm. One Mercury. Mm-hmm. Sad, one Sag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So- and you have it in... The yeah. last degree of Virgo. That's <laughs> kind of cool. There you go. Yep. Another wheelhouse reference. Another wheelhouse reference, indeed. Uh, I always think that these winged, uh, those wings on over by his feet look like a maple seed. <laughs> yeah, they're very abstract. Yeah, and they are. I never quite understood what the uh, surfboard like thing yes. is standing on his. I, I mean, I assume it's probably part of the um this whole picture that lady harris drew i've seen that pattern before i have a book on by olive witcher which is about projective geometry and there's a certain pattern that um it's ellipses and hyperbolas and that's this almost exact pattern is in her book really yeah Mm mm-hmm um, don't ask me to explain it. Geometry is <laughs> not my favorite subject in that way. <laughs> not in um, that way, exactly. I love certain aspects of geometry, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not one of them. Okay, so I've got Snuffin open now. For those of you who are listening, that's uh, Michael Osiris Snuffin's The Thoth Companion, which is a great sort of introduction to all of the imagery in The Thoth. Um, the head of the caduceus is a winged phallus. There's that word again. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, forming, as you said, a vertical lemnus skate, uh, which, according to him, signifies omniscience. Okay. Um, and it's got the descending dove on it, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have dove and serpent again. Yes, we do. So the dove again uh, descending from the divine down into matter and the serpent uh, climbing up the tree of life. Right. Because this is another card that's coming out of Kether. So that's the similar reference. Right. Right. Speaking of which, we have, um, so this is from Kether to Bina, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas there's usually, this is this is different from elsewhere in the tree, because usually when we're going down the tree, we kind of go from right to left, you know, stepwise. But in this case, we go right, left, and then middle down the tree to, when we get to the high priestess. So the paths are kind of different up on the supernals. 
And I, I just saw this, which I didn't notice before in Snuffin, which says that the serpent on the left uh, has the throne-shaped headdress of Isis, which is associated with Bina. And the one on the right has a simple crown uh, symbolic uh, so, of Keter. Yeah, the path. Yeah. Right. So that's a that's a reference to the path. Hard to see, but... Sort I, of hard I to can see. see. can kind of see that. Yeah, you Isis might be able to see it better there. on the actual yeah, card there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can see there, the little seat. Yeah, yeah. And both um, both maguses, both magicians in the Rider-Waite-Smith and in the Toth deck are kind of holding their arms in the same position, um, as you were saying, indicating the path if you're if you put yourself in the position of the magus. I kind of, we were talking about, you know, that shape at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like perhaps the dark area, you know, it reminds me of the the black is the color of Bina. It's Mm -hmm. not exactly black there. It's Mm -hmm. just dark. It's dark, but But I think it's almost an opening and this is the one balanced on the wand and it's pushing up this like web of light. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in a different way, it looks solid. But I actually, the more I look at it, the more it seems like it's negative space. Yeah, it does. I mean, and Bina is, you know, the great dark sea, right? And when you look at it mm-hmm. from above like this, it might look like that. But when we look at lower down cards on the tree, we sometimes look up at Bina and there are stars in the great dark sea. And then if you look at his feet there, uh, mm-hmm. balancing on it, you see the uh, sandal strap, which is the Egyptian ankh. Oh, I thought another... it was more snakes. <laughs> it, it is snakes, oh, I but they're uh-huh. in the shape of that, that sandal strap shape with the with kind of like the toe loop. Oh, yes, sure it is. The, the shape of the ankh, which is a reference to uh, to go. Mm-hmm. Right, because we have the 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 four powers um, to will, to dare, to know, and to keep silent, and to go. Thus to mm-hmm. go. Thus to go. Mm-hmm. Good. Right. So, um, since we've been talking Kabbalah, uh, we should mention that the Hebrew letter associated with this path with Mercury is Bet. Bet, that's right, meaning house. Um, and I just want to, even though we're focusing on these two cards, I just want to mention that neither of them has a reference to house, but your deck does. And that's one of the things that I love about it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of the, the Magus and the Tabula Mundi, where you have a DJ in the house, literally. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my little joke. yes exactly exactly and you know i i sometimes look at the at the thought image and think couldn't you have put a you know some kind of house reference in there somewhere but no it is the house of the spirit only um beth again is not a mother letter but a double letter so um now the double letters all being planets exactly and they are um in the Sefer Yetzira, they are associated with these binaries, these polarities. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know these, but, you mm-hmm. know, life and death, wisdom and folly, mm-hmm. grace and indignity. And this one in particular is associated with um, with life and death. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It makes me think of, you know, the, the path there from Kether to Bina being from white to black. Yes, yes. 
Mm-hmm. And I've also seen the roses and lilies in Rider Waite Smith referred to as a reference to life and death as well. The the lilies mm. being sort of representing sort of a funeral death aspect and the roses. Yeah, being so there. they may be in that mm-hmm. that card there, kind of the stand in for the Bina. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now with the double letters, the idea was, I guess, that they can be pronounced hard and soft. Um, so the B has sort of like a, a harder B and a softer B. And I, I don't really know if that's used in modern Hebrew so much. I My impression was that it's not. But uh, but that historically, that's an important... I can barely pronounce English <laughs> words. <laughs> but that's uh, the fact that it's a double letter, you know... Uh, is historically and and mystically significant. The fact that there are seven of them that go with the seven planets is also significant. And in other versions of the tree, like the Luria version of the tree, they sort of foreground that difference between the mother letters, the double letters, and the single letters much more than the tree we use for the Golden Dawn does. So, you know, you have... Uh, the three horizontals are mother letters. The um, right, the, uh, the uprights, diagonals are the exactly signs. Exactly, but we can't go there because it doesn't really correspond <laughs> to these no. tarot. No, and but you know what we. But it is interesting. It is interesting, and you know, I, I've I've gotten into various arguments with people about which tree you know is is the more important. But uh, for the purposes of Rider Waite Smith and Crowley, out of the Golden Dawn tradition, we use this particular tree. And it is, you know, perhaps not always intellectually as grounded as some of the uh, trees and paths that come out more closely out of the, you know, Judaic mystical tradition. However, it is the basis of Western ceremonial magic. Uh, it has a validity of its own, and it has it has thousands of practitioners to power it. If you know, if you subscribe to the idea that belief is the battery, you know, of magic. So, um, so that's the rationale, which I kind of wanted to just go through because we didn't mention that in our first podcast. I just wanted to emphasize that although, you know, all systems are valid, whatever investment you make, you know, powers your practice, this is the one we're focusing on for this, for the purposes of our discussion. Um, what else do we see in here that's Kabbalah-based? Well, more about the the paths, you know, you, if you look at the tree, this path is the opposite of the, the path of the fool. You know, they're each on mm-hmm. one side of the uh, tree, and they're very much counterparts and almost, you know, two aspects of the same thing or very much related to each other where the Fool is the indrawn breath, the magus. The magus mm-hmm. is the word or the uh, outflow of breath, um, mm-hmm. That the word of power that causes creation. And the fool's path from Keter to Chokmah takes you to the pillar of force, which gives you that indrawn breath of power. And then the, the Keter to Bina takes you to the pillar of form, where things become manifest. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the form of the word in this case. Maybe should we go on to color? Are you ready to go on sure. to color? Okay, let's color. talk about color. So yeah, so so let's go through. Um, it's a good transition to go from uh, tree of life to color because we have four colors in the four world scales: king, queen, prince, princess, which are respectively. Can you do the party trick where you do it by yeah, memory? Let's see. <laughs> um, I can do yellow is the king scale, and mm-hmm. then we have. Um, purple and gray and 
uh, indigo, raid, or flecked violet. Man, you are sick. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's, that's exactly what it is. I just a new one of him <laughs> yesterday, so... But yeah, I, I, I know those. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we see the yellow and gray in his skin, which, you know, you would think would lead to kind of a sickly effect, but in fact, just makes him look gilded. Yeah. And the yellow, as we were saying before, um, we saw it in The Fool, but, you know, um, blended with the light of Keter. So it was a bright pale yellow in The Fool. And here it's just straight ahead yellow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the indigo rayed violet? I guess that's the background of the yeah, card, Yeah, the background. Right? I, I would say that dark indigo around where the objects he's juggling show up with some of those rays are mm-hmm. a violety in right here. Yeah. The violet rays kind of passing through that um, indigo background. And whereas the writer Wade Smith really just picks up on the yellow. Yeah, I don't know if they could pr- print purple back then. Oh, good point. Good point. I'm trying to think. Well, there's purple on the lover's card, right? So, yeah, yeah. He's got a purple like garment. It's not. It's sort of a movie. Pur- well, it's gray. It's gray. Purple. <laughs> not really. Purple. It's not a righteous violet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Waits card doesn't mm-hmm. have the gray. He doesn't have the purple. Mm-hmm. The only color he has that's on the scale is is the um, the white, really. Look, there's some lavender well, on the page of swords. White for Kether. He doesn't even have, you know, white isn't part of the scale, but he's mm-hmm. got the yellow, and he's got white for Kether, which is the, mm-hmm. the sephira above, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Well, I think also in Rider-Waite, for when we, you know, when we look at red and white, especially when they're mm. presented together like that, it's almost its own thing. Yeah, you know, there's right? that alchemical aspect of the red and the white, yes. you know, the... The, the red, male and the, the female, the lion and the the white eagle, and mm-hmm. there's also the the trinity of red, white, and black. You know, the maiden, mother, and crone. Now here, mm. you don't really see the black so much, but mm-hmm. again, it makes me think of Bina. You know, the mm-hmm. that's on the path there, right? And I've also heard the red described as. Um, you know, as carnality, as life, as passion, whereas the white is the purity of intent. And you can see that the, the, the magician in Rider Wade Smith is clothed in white, but he has the, you know, the color of life draped all over him, you know, acting on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing about those roses and lilies is the, the Song of Songs, the quote, I am the Rose of yes. Sharon and I am the Lily of the Valley. And there's also another alchemical uh illustration i think it's in michael mayer's um series where you see two vessels and one is kind of like pouring this smoke into the other and they form a vesica pisces Mm -hmm. in the middle Mm -hmm. um and it's i don't know it just reminds it reminds me of that it's the sun and the moon you know the lunar and the solar yes the, the white being lunar and the red being solar, and then that creation between them. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the roses, because in that illustration, there's that Vesica Pisces, mm-hmm. and in the center of it, you see a, a blooming uh, rose, mm-hmm. or several, I think gotcha. it's five blooming roses or something. Gotcha. But Now, in the Toth deck, we have sort of a reference to the blending of male and female, and the fact that this is a hermaphrodite, which is literally Hermes plus Aphrodite, Right. And, uh, you know, and his the idea, I think, you know, is that his secondary sexual characteristics have not fully emerged yet since he's above (laughs) above the abyss. 
And yet he's also the first emanation of the masculine, which right. is, you know, it's the right. fool splitting into masculine and feminine as mm-hmm. you have the magus and the priestess. Mm. But because he's above the abyss um, mm-hmm. and he doesn't pass below, perhaps that masculinity is mm-hmm. not fully formed. Right, because you know, if it was, we'd be seeing that all over this card. <laughs> Thank you, Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, something that I some people have sometimes noticed is that you know on the Rider Waite Smith, there's this very clear infinity lemniscate over his head. And, but another way to think of that is as the number eight as a numeric reference, and of course, eight is the number of Mercury. That's right. The eighth sephira uh, is uh, corresponds to Mercury, way further down on the tree. But um, it could be a reference to the sephira hood. Um, also, I don't know if you have gotten into this on your, on your, on your worksheet there, but there are eight tools he's juggling. Ah, yes. Yes. Right. Not just the four, not just the four suit symbols, but. Is that an eight pointed star or a 10 pointed star on the the coin? Um, it it might be 10. One, two, three, four, five. No, it's eight. Ah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So that could be a Mercury Sephira reference another, too. Yeah, Mercury reference, the eight pointed star. Mm-hmm. So what do we have besides, you know, wand, cup? We've got the stylus and the scroll mm-hmm. for Mercury in writing, and mm-hmm. we've got the uh, the phoenix wand there mm-hmm. with that uh, animal headed. Yes. What does that there. represent? Well, resurrection, I would think, being mm-hmm. a phoenix-headed wand. Is that the one they call the wand of double power? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yeah, because, you know, single power is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot there to look into, the wand right. of double power. I mean, that's right. the weapon of horror, the we- one of, well, his weapon's also the sword, but the double wand of power refers to his dual nature as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, got you. And then you've got that thing that looks very much like the swirly Dairy Queen ice cream cone that (laughs) I used to love as a child, but I think is a sensor. Yes, that's a sensor. So that's actually, um, maybe we should just sort of go go through this uh, since our listeners are not seeing the same thing we are. Why don't we start from the lower left and sort of go clockwise? So lower left is the coin, right? Yep, so that's our pentacle with the, the eight-pointed eight star. star. And it has a bunch of dots around it that I don't know if you can... If are you, we going to count I, them? <laughs> I, I tried to count them, but it, it was just on this uh, thing, which wasn't very easy. And I, get, I would love I get. to say that there are 19, in which case would be a reference to the sun, but um, they're, yeah. without a magnifying glass, it's very I mean, difficult to count them. I can count uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 distinct points. However, that line obscures the right. bottom if, if if you if you put points where they all should be so it's symmetrical, you could get 19. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> We'll, so, s- we'll say that for now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there you have it. Um, the the coin um, representing, so yeah, the sun, but also, but also the suit of coins. Uh, then you have the censer, which is interesting because that is in place of a wand. That's fire. Right. That's um, so where we have the pentacle or the coin for Earth. This is but then there's the wand. phoenix wand, and there's then the we fact have a wand. That the wand. mercury in this card 
is, is the a wand. wand I guess yourself. he thought there were just way too many wands, which is surprising because well, can you ever have too many wands? But yeah, so so then you have the the, the phoenix wand, as you said. Uh, then okay, stylus is up in the air above that. It's a little hard to see, right? So yep. that's the thing that goes with the scroll on the other side, right? And that must be, as you said, a reference to God to of writing. writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he well, he basically invented all writing and sciences and knowledge disciplines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have ah, our first appearance of the winged egg. Mm-hmm. One of many. That's our sixth object. So what do you want to say about the winged egg? I think the winged egg is kind of a reference to the fool, where in the fool card we had a reference to Mercury with the caduceus and the winged disc. Mm-hmm. Here in almost the same position of the, on the card, we have the the winged egg. If you look at the two cards, it's almost in the exact oh, is that same true? place. So I think they're mm-hmm. referencing each other. That winged egg is a reference to the fool and, you know, the, mm. the egg of spirit that all things come from. Yes, yes. Isn't that the egg that Fane's Lightbringer hatches from something like that right and it's also you know an alchemical symbol you know related to the whole journey it's the very beginning of this alchemical journey that Mm -hmm. we're on Although we will, we will see this many more times. The yes, we will egg. meet the egg. <laughs> you can never have enough uh, <laughs> eggs to make a cosmic omelet. <laughs> okay, uh, the seventh object is the cup. Yep. Right? Uh, pretty straightforward. And the eighth object is the dagger, dagger of air, I guess. There we go. Yep. So eight objects... Uh, number of eight being Mercury, and and he's he's juggling them like a fool, or or like a magus, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely more skilled at juggling than I am. Oh God, for sure, me too. Uh, also, we have the winged sandals of Mercury, um, as and the wing. Does he have a winged helmet too? Not in this case, I guess. No, I don't think so in this i mean the 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 serpents on either side almost are wing like kind of refer to that in right. an abstract way i think like the glyph but actually mm-hmm. you know the wings behind his head you'll see the wand has the wing disc but behind those are even a larger set of wings oh yes and they kind of mm-hmm. you know come from almost attached to or come from behind the serpents so i think mm-hmm. it's kind of a very abstract way of the I guess wing so. Helmet in a in a way. I see. In, so those those pleats you're seeing up at the top and yeah. then down towards the side as wings, which you could do. I th- I thought it was a reference to fan as the magical weapon of air, mm. which no, it could, could also it, be. Could also be. Well, you know, it's both and when it comes yes. to interpreting <laughs> mystic imagery. Um, let's see what else. Um, We've got oh, the monkey. Yes, Sinocephalus ape or Cunocephalus. Um, Hermanubis. <laughs> Hermanubis. Uh, one of the figures on the Wheel of Fortune, yeah? Yeah, and yeah. so, which is interesting that you say that because you see he's raising his fist, which yes! is the cough, the, the exactly. letter fist for the wheel. Cough meaning fist. Yep, and so ape you raising see fist. him on the wheel in, mm-hmm. in, in the position of Mercury. He's the one rising? yeah. Got you. He's the right. monkey on the. He's kind of on the side there of the and wheel of the wheel card. It's so interesting that that that's the case because you always have, of course, um, an ascending figure. You always have a descending figure, and you know I've seen people interpret the ape-like figure as you know the ape of ambition or the ape that uh, is trying to rise to the top. Um, 
and the ass on the other side often is like the one, the fool coming down. Gosh, this is so reminiscent of the current political situation. <laughs> um, but but also what's what's interesting about Crowley's uh, conception of the Sinocephalus ape or the ape of thought is that uh, he he talks about him as distorting the word, as it being his job to right to follow the magus, and because of the you know inherent way that words, both in speech and writing, can be twisted, how they're n- not totally reliable, and it's the ape's job to remind him of the fact that there's just distortion inherent in everything you say, and mm-hmm. things get lost in translation, yes, basically. Yes, yes. And that's really interesting, because, you know, uh, I I heard on somebody's podcast the other day, it was probably Rune Soup, and I was trying to find the myth- mythological origins of the story, but I couldn't. Um, well, in Egypt, mm-hmm. the, the ape was a companion of, of Thoth. Right, but right. But he was more helpful. Yes. He was kind yes. of a companion, and um, I think he helped in the Hall of Judgment with the weighing of the heart mm-hmm. ceremony. So he was he was a little more more helpful. But I suppose you could look at it being reminded of the distortion might be more helpful than threatening if you look at it that way. Well, one of the cosmology that I'm thinking of, and I wish I could remember what it was from, you know, there's it's there's a discussion between the gods and the god of magic or language, whichever it was, the Mercury figure, says, I've invented this, you know, super nifty thing that, you know, will allow people to remember things. It's writing, it's magic, it's it's great. This is the greatest gift I have for humankind. And, you know, the older gods say, that's a terrible idea. They'll never, they'll never know the truth anymore. You know, they'll never experience direct knowledge anymore. They'll become stupid. It's kind of like what happened with cell phones and <laughs> remembering phone numbers. That's right. That's right. You know, it's sort of like now that we have access to all knowledge ever, why have any of it in our heads? <laughs> but I think it's so interesting because, you know, words inevitably distort. We can't, we can't purely connect with, you know, archetypal knowledge when we have the word to mediate. And I think that's what that story is about. And also maybe that's what, you know, that figure is about as well. Yeah. I mean, and I what agree. is hermeneutics but the art of interpretation? Right. Right. Okay. It almost uh, sounds like hermenubis. Yes. Hermenubis. <laughs> hermenubis. So, you know, yeah. it, it's, he's supposed to have a dog head. He's supposed to be a, an ape with a dog head. It's kind of hard to see in the picture. Yeah, but, he looks um, like an ape with an ape head to me. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, I guess he has sort of a, he has sort of a, a pointed muzzle a little bit going on there. You know, we should also talk a little bit about um, the numerology of the card specifically. Um, uh, we've we've talked about the fool as the zero and the um, and the magician or magus as the one, but um, but that fist reference of the kinocephalus ape. What would you like to say about that? Well, that relates to the wheel card, which is card ten. And if you look at ten, it's not only a one and a zero, perhaps bringing back both the fool and the magus, but it reduces to one. So there's definitely you know a correlation between those two cards, as was seen in the symbolism. Mm-hmm. And we also have the sun card, number 19, the one and the nine, mm-hmm. adding to 10, reducing to one. And the sun has that 
correlation with Mercury as, you know, their partners. The Mercury is the closest uh, planet mm-hmm. to the sun and kind of runs around him like the, the little dog. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the sun's little dog. Yes, exactly. So so there's a this intimate connection between the 19, the zero, the one, the, and ten. the 10. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, let's see. Okay, so other archetypes of Mercury, we should just maybe go over them for people, since I know Crowley was aware of we, them. You know, the whole going back to the uh, the shape of the glyph and the winged helmet. You know, you see the the horns on the circular part of the glyph, referencing the winged helmet, referencing almost like antennae. Mm-hmm. You know, where nice. he's both transmits and receives. So yes. it's the active and the passive. You know, like I think you mentioned the the lightning rod. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. he he both transmits that lightning and receives it from above. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the weird thing about electricity; it doesn't come unless you have the structure to receive it. <laughs> right. So he's yeah. he's like a living antenna. He is the embodiment of the current. Yeah, and uh, as other 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 gods. Um, Odin, yeah, right, right. Odin. Thought himself Loki, maybe Hanuman. Odin uh, with his uh, twin companions, either wolves or ravens. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. brings back in uh, the dog there, and the the dog headed ape, mm-hmm. and the the ravens. That's interesting because the the names of Odin's ravens are. Hujin and Munin, uh, thought mm-hmm. and memory. Ah, right. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And uh, for those who are uh, linguistic nerds, you remember that, of course, um, Wednesday is Odin's day, which is why Wednesday is Mercury's day. And you also see that in all the Romance languages that Mercury's day is Mercredi in French and uh, uh, Miércoles in Spanish. So, uh, so that so that is reflected in the very names of the week. Also, mm-hmm. another uh, archetype of Mercury is Prometheus, right? You know, right. bringing down the fire of heaven um, in a pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't a was pine a, cone. Yeah, Stock of burning, fennel, yeah, burning Stock of branch of some sort. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Which you know, if you if you think about it. It just, it wouldn't work. <laughs> Fennel? No, not so much. <laughs> but it's a really nice idea. And that is, you know, one reason that fennel is associated with Mercury, with this archetype. So one uh, thing on the the weight card that is kind of a mystery, at least to me, you see on the edge of the table there, there are these squiggles. One of them clearly is that dove of uh, spirit. It's ascending rather than descending. Oh, you're right. You're right. And on the left is what looks like mountains or Mm -hmm. water. That middle one, I really can't tell what it is. I can't Um, either. But I think that the fact that there's three of them and one of them is is an ascending dove and uh, the other one is mountains, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It almost looks... Uh, it, so I think of things that occur in threes, such as mind, body, and spirit, or sure. or the three elements, or the sulfur and mercury of, you know, the three alchemical elements. But uh, for the life of me, I can't really tell what that central symbol yeah, is. Yeah, and I don't believe I've ever seen anyone... Um, uh, 
try to explain what it is, although, you know... I think no one can tell what it is. No one can tell. It's I mean, very difficult. Yeah, it probably was just like a slip of the pen or something. <laughs> I mean, honestly... I mean, it could be a boat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you try to think of, okay, what would be for the three elements, you do have mm-hmm. one there that could be water. You do have, you know, per- perhaps fire or sulfur but i don't know it's very hard to tell what that is but it's definitely a triplicate kind of force maybe because of weights you know christian uh the way he brought in the christian mythologies all the time the the father son and holy ghost even with the the dove of spirit there or something right right or uh or perhaps it's an elemental reference in some way although mm, hard to say i mean it Right. Those could be mountains. It, it could be a glyph for air. It could be water. It mm-hmm. could be a glyph of water or mountains. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dove could be air or spirit. It's hard to say. But that central one, if we knew what the central one was, then it would, we'd it, know. We'd kind of get the three. Which <laughs> well, three he's referring to, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Listeners, if you know what that middle picture is on the edge of the table in the Rider Waite Smith magician, do write us and let us know what you think. Um, because symbols belong to everybody and it bothers us when we don't know. <laughs> One thing that I think is curious is that you have the double-headed the the double wand in the in the um hand of the magician which is different from the elemental wand that's on the table representing mm-hmm. the suit symbol. And I, I don't really know why they do that. I I'm sure that there is a reason. Yeah, I I mean I think in that card it's really bringing home the point that the double-headed wand is a channel it's kind of the way crowley Mm -hmm. makes the Mm -hmm. magus the wand he's referencing Mm. that that duality that pole you know where there's the active and passive the negative and positive and that in that channel right happening right as opposed to strictly the the tool of fire elemental fire on Mm -hmm. the table so he has all those four elements at his command in front of him mm-hmm. and yet he's he is the wand and, and yet he is the channel. wand right what about the headband what do you know about that <laughs> <laughs> very 80s very, very 80s, 80s. <laughs> <laughs> all the rage in 1909 i don't know i mean i i assume that that's a some kind of um yeah, reference to reference the head, to, the head. To, to thought, to Kether, mm-hmm. um, you know, the mm-hmm. crown, I guess. Yeah, white brilliance right. in my brain, <laughs> something like that. Okay, um, so I think now's a good time for me to pull out my uh, my my perfumes. Um, yeah, I didn't have any mastic because that, that's one of the perfumes associated with um, with mercury, but I did have some Styrax, and that's another, so... Um, Styrax is a, a little bit like vanilla. It's one of those ancient resins. Um, mm. And basically, you know... Yeah, it's kind of vanilla-y. There's a whole lot of just ancient resins that are used for fragrances. And, you know, whether it's Peru balsam or benzoin, which is also confusingly a Styrax, um, a different species of Styrax altogether. Um, labdanum is also another resin and they're all they all have different sort of sticky vanilla qualities and when you take them all together you get what is known as an amber 
an amber perfume. That's the base of it. But um, but Styrax in particular is associated with mercury. And uh, the other one that I've seen a lot is frankincense, which is kind of associated with all of the gods. I think of it as the sun, but maybe yeah. that's, the, again, another mercury sun for sun sure. Connection. Sun for sure. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you can basically use frankincense for anybody. Nobody hates it. <laughs> they all come, come, like frankincense seems to be like god bait. <laughs> but um oh and uh and i'll just do this real quick the musical note is once again e flat no sorry e natural e natural because it's yellow it's that simple <laughs> just like it was in um in the fool and it's it's sort of annoying that they have the same note but you know, there are only 13 notes and there are 22 majors, so we're going to have some redundancy. Sorry. Well, it just shows their connection and they are kind of like an aspect of each other, the same. 12 notes, thing. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. They are related. They are aspects of each other. And um, and hence, it makes sense that they have the same note. Um, I mean, there are, there are other natural references that go with uh, the magician that are, might be worth referencing, but they tend to be um, plants that have, I guess this is the doctrine of signatures, they tend to be plants with airy parts, like carrot family plants, dill, fennel, um, coriander, stuff that sticks up in the air and has an umbrella, Mm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yarrow? Uh, Probably, probably. Mm. Plus yarrow, you know. Yarrow always smells like it's carrot family to me. And yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, associated with divination through the I Ching, of course. Did I tell you that I tried to grow yarrow last year. <laughs> this was you had to try. I had it's to try. It's taking over my, uh, my yard. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? Would yeah. you dry some? Sure. Okay, and then cut it into seventeen pieces or however. I don't know how many pieces. You want you some need I Ching to... sticks yes. while you're at it? That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No. I. 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 You know. I. Who knows? Maybe it I have it wild in my... all on the side of the road too. Right. Very common. Right. I have the, I have the colored kind because it's ornamental, but it's pink. The pink. Uh, yellow it's Mm -hmm. yellow yeah mercury yellow for mercury all right oh wow that's awesome well i hope you'll cut some of it um i've also seen um nutmeg and cloves sort of spicy things associated with with mercury um i guess because of their stinginess and speed of uh, sort of uh penetration (laughs) uh lavender also is historically associated with mercury um and whenever I smell lavender, it's just there's a there's a sharpness and clarity to it that that always seems to go with mercurial things. Okay, um, anything else we want to mention? And lavender, the color is in the card. Lavender, the color is in the card. That's right. Sort of Absolutely. violet, purple. Kind of violet. That's right. Oh, it's right. indigo, raid, lavendery. Oh, right, raid, yeah. raid, val- raid, violet. So yeah. it's purple in the in the queen scale, and there's indigo, raid, violet in right. in the princess Which is kind scale. Of a lavendery violet. Mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. case, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody for playing along, and we will be back with the high priestess next time.